And no wonder we all tend to be a bit skeptical with all that kind of stuff going on in life, and especially when it comes to the big things, the big questions. And that's why we've been doing the series that we've been doing for the past few weeks. I want to invite you to go back and catch up on the app or the website so that you're in full knowledge of the journey that we've been on together because we all have questions and doubts and all of that's normal. But I want to remind you, if you've been with us each week, I want to remind you one more time, one of the great encouragements when it comes to being uh, around Jesus or specifically being here at the summit or joining us online or being a part of what God is doing here is that you can be long before you believe. You can be long to what God is doing in the world and to what's happening here as you're trying to figure out what it looks like to take your next steps in trusting and following Jesus. And and one of the things that I have kind of discovered is very important as we've gone through this series and heard the questions, and we're going to ask and answer more questions here in a little bit. But one of the things that I think is so very important for us to remember, because we have so many questions still, and I have questions, you have questions, and it's this right here. And and let me explain it, because at first it may not make a lot of sense. Don't let the what about keep you from the sure about. And it's just my kind of quirky way of saying there's so many things that we don't know about. There's all these things that we're going to like, yeah, what about this? What about this? And when it comes to people putting their belief in Jesus, putting their belief and trust and following Jesus, a lot of times they have this long list of whatabouts, and they use that as an opportunity to kind of stiff arm God and stiff arm the church and stiff arm the truth. And they're like, yeah, but what about, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and that makes a lot of sense, but what about, but what about, and they pull up these hypothetical situations or these way out in right field, left field kind of things, and what about, what about, no, don't let the whatabouts keep you from embracing what we're sure about. There's always going to be a what about. There's always going to be a conceivable, hypothetical, what about this, what about them, what about that. Don't let the what abouts keep you from responding to the things we are sure about. Today we're going to talk about something that you can be sure about, that a lot of people wonder about. One of the biggest areas of skepticism and doubt is this question right here. How to answer, how can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? I mean, how can I know for sure? Because most people believe in heaven, and most people want to go there, and what's interesting, most people assume that they are and have different bases for that, and we'll get into that at another time. But still, there's so much worry, and there's so much anxiety surrounding this question of how can I know for sure? I I don't know about you, but when it comes to a question like this, I think it makes a whole lot of sense to find out what God says about it since that's where he is, that's his hood, that's where he's from. He would know how to get there and what it's all about. When you answer the question, how can I be sure? People usually turn to one of two things. They typically begin by turning to their feelings, right? How are they feeling? Do they feel close to God? Do they feel like a Christian? Do they feel spiritual? That's that's very interesting to me how much stock we put in our feelings. 
But the problem is feelings are unreliable. And feelings change. And I don't know about you, but I don't even always understand what I'm feeling. Right? We say that from time to time. Like, man, I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to explain what I'm feeling here. And, and we'll say that about a lot of different things. But especially when it comes to spiritual things. Am I feeling what I should be feeling? Is what I'm feeling what I'm supposed to be feeling or am I supposed to be feeling something different? Is what I'm feeling what I'm supposed to feel if I'm close to God or is what I'm feeling meaning I'm not close to God? Is, is this what a Christian's supposed to feel like or, or not? And, and so if you are looking to your feelings to give you assurance that you have a relationship with God, good luck with that. Good luck with that. A much better focus, yet still has, you have to be careful, but a much better focus is faith. Comes back to faith, yet again. Don't focus on your feelings, you focus on faith. However, be careful. You don't focus on faith itself. Just hang with me and I'll explain this. If you're looking for assurance to the answer to the question, how can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? You can't look at faith itself. It's not about the quality of my faith. It's not about the quantity of my faith, the amount of faith I have. It's not about how, how strong my faith is in God, and it's not about how, how much faith I have. Because, see, then that puts the focus back on me. No, no see, it's, it's, not, it's not about that. If... Getting to heaven is all about the quantity and quality of my faith. What happens if I have a bad faith day? You ever had a bad faith day? You ever had? Yeah, I had a couple this week. Yeah, bad faith day. I mean, what if you die on a bad faith day? Uh-oh. Picked the wrong day to jump off or to get hit or to crash in that plane, or to, you know, whatever, you know. Hey, I'm 50. I'm going to parachute out of a plane. I don't do that on a bad faith day. <laughs> if the chute doesn't open, it's going to be, oh! right? What do you do? It's not about the quality of faith. It's not about the quantity of faith. It's about the object of your faith. Okay, so please understand that. The object, the object, the object of your faith. Who your faith is in, what your faith is in. And when it comes to the object of our faith, there's really only three focuses. When you look to how can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven, it's about what are you putting your faith in? You're either putting your faith in all you, some kind of mixture of you and Jesus together, or it's all Jesus. It's either all you, you and Jesus together, or all Jesus. Now, let me break these down. Let's start with this first one. I know it sounds a little arrogant, but there are a lot of people out there, and there are a lot of religious systems that put the focus on you, and it's all you, man. It is up to you. Yeah, 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 this is about God, but it's really on you. And you had better perform well, and you had better be well, and hope for the best. It's all about who you are in this system, right? And I hear people talk about that all the time. Oh, I know I'm a Christian. How do you know? How do you know you're going to have, well, because I come from a family of Christians. We're all Christians. Everybody in my family, everybody in my family, matter of fact, my family goes all the way back to Jesus. We're all Christians. You, you better have something more than that, right? Yeah. 
or, or most of the time, it's all about what we've done. Well, yeah, I, I know. I, I know that if I die, I'm going to heaven, and I know I have a relationship with God because I've done this, and I've done that, and I serve much as I can, and I get in groups when it's convenient, and, and I give when it, when it doesn't inconvenience me, and that's, that's, that, that's good. You know, I, I tip God from time to time, and, and, and so I, I try to do good, and I, I, do, I do better than most people. You know, I, I, I'm all right. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. You know, I vote the way I'm supposed to, not like my neighbor. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a good, I'm a good fella. The idea that culture has when it comes to this all you is that there's a good God who lives in a good place that's reserved for good people. That's the idea that culture, a lot of people in culture have. The problem is how good is good enough? And how do you know? Where's the line? Is 51% good, good enough? Because 51% good ain't half bad. There you go. Now you're with me. Coffee's kicking in. 51% ain't half bad any day. But is that good enough? Does God grade on a curve? Maybe God grades on a curve. If it's all about goodness, maybe he looks at your goodness and takes everybody else's goodness into account, and that works pretty good, right? Until somebody like Billy Graham dies. I mean, Billy just died. Just busted the curve for everybody. Thanks a lot, Bill. Appreciate it, man. Great. Just screwed the whole system up. You know, I'm serious. Do you see the mess that could create? How good is good enough? Where's the line and who decides and where do you stand and how do you know? And is there enough time left on earth in your life to be good enough to get in if it's about your goodness? Listen, here's the deal. God makes it very clear, crystal clear, that it's not about your good and my good performance. Now, does our behavior matter? Yes, it does does, but it's just not the basis by which God receives me, and it's not the basis by which God receives us, and we all better be very thankful that it's not, because we're all over the place. This is what God says about it. Let's look. For we all have sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. What is God's glorious standard? Jesus. His standard is not a what, it's a who. It's his son. So here's the deal. If you're not as good as Jesus, then you're not good enough. And Jesus was perfect. Uh Uh-oh. Right? But see, that's why Jesus came and died. That's why Jesus came to earth and did for us what we could never even begin to do for ourselves. I'm glad it's not all me. It better not be all you. Let's look at this. This is fascinating to me. Ephesians 2. This is so clear. God saved you, Paul writes, by his grace, not by your faith. It's not about the quality of your faith. It's not about the quantity of your faith. It's about the object. And the object is God's grace. It's him. It's him. We're saved by his grace when we believe. And you can't take credit for this. I can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. Nothing wrong with doing good things. That's good. It's good to do good, but it's not, it's not how you get into heaven. It's not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. I mean, if heaven was about what you had to do to get in or what you did to get there, do you know what heaven would be about? All eternity would be one long eternal brag session. Like, what'd you do to get in? Oh, I did this, I did that, I did this. What'd you do? Oh, that's all you did? Man, I overshot. 
I could have done some more sinning. Just, gosh, man. Do you see? I mean, it would be about all about us, all about us, all about us, all about us. A lot of people choose that. I, I'm going to suggest to you, you'd better have more than what you can bring to the answer to this question. Well, some people, they do a little better, or they think they do a little better, and, and they say, I know I'm going to heaven because me and God, we got a deal, man. We, we got an arrangement. We have an understanding. Me and Jesus, we, we, we see eye to eye on things. And, we, and, you know, he's doing some stuff, and I'm doing some stuff, and it's a little bit of me and a little bit of Jesus. Or on some days, it's mostly me and a little bit of Jesus. And then some days, I struggle, so it's mostly Jesus and a little bit of me. But, but, but we work it out together, right? Oh, my goodness. I think what you will find, just logically, is that this one, of all things, doesn't make any sense. You can't really even help Jesus out. Right, let me tell you what I mean. Uh, my youngest daughter is getting ready to graduate from high school in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I cannot believe it. Oh, my goodness. Maggie is, whoo, and the nest is about to be empty, baby. I know, some of your moms are like, that's so sad. And your dads are like, no, it's not. <sighs> I'm trying to figure out which room in my, room's gonna, in my house is going to be the naked room now. It's just, <laughs> hey, can I say that? Is it all right? I think I just did. Because <laughs> I've had two daughters. You know, I've had to be real careful about all this stuff. Now I have to be careful. Don't come home without <laughs> warning. What's this got to do, Pastor, with the absolutely nothing? <laughs> but it's just funny. And if you're laughing in this tense conversation, then, then we're good. When Maggie was two years old, she did what a lot of kids do. She did what your kids do. I'm sure just about every one of you who have children, you've had a similar experience. One day, she was so excited, brought us into the little playroom there in our house where we were living at the time, and she proudly displayed all of her artwork that she had with a crayon drawn all over the wall. Oh, it's so pretty. Flowers and, oh, daisies and, oh, all kinds of stuff. And what's a real blessing about this artwork is she chose the corner, the door facing, right there at the door facing, the little crayon got right in the corner and went up and down, up and down and up and down. And there's, dude, dude there's no wiping that off. That is Paint and caulk. That's what that is. That's paint and caulk. And so we're like, oh, thank you. This is so good, you know. And you, you, you never told your kid not to draw on the wall yet, so you can't punish them for something they didn't know not to do. And so eventually what Donna did is she painted a whole big section on a wall with that chalk paint stuff and said, you can draw all over this. Right here in between this. And so my wife's brilliant. And, and so, but we weren't there yet. And so I'm thinking about that. You know, what would have been fair? What would have been fair and right with this situation. I'll tell you what would have been fair. What would have been right? Is for Maggie at two years old, two, well, tough. She should have thought about that. Clean it up. Fix it. Fix it. Repaint it. Come on, kid. Let's do it. I mean, I'll give you all weekend. Come on. No way. Okay, I understand she doesn't know how to paint yet. Well, the next best thing she's going to do is at least pay me. Pay me to have a, fresh, a professional come in and, and, and fix this. Because it's not just paint. It's caulk. And I don't caulk. Right? I don't do that well. And so, no, she couldn't pay me. 
Or, or maybe, okay, little concessions here. She could help me. Could she help me? Could she help me? She help? No, you're not putting a paintbrush in the two-year-old's hands. I don't care what's going on, right? Not with paint on it. <laughs> not, not if you wanted to. All right, so here's the deal. She was absolutely incapable of helping me fix the problem that she created. That is a perfect picture of where we are spiritually. We are absolutely, completely incapable of helping Jesus save us and forgive us. We are completely dependent on him. Just like Maggie was completely dependent at two years old on daddy fixing the problem she created but was incapable of addressing on her own. It's not about what's fair. It's about what's real. And what's real is this me and Jesus thing. Oh, you can't, he doesn't need your help. Look, look what Paul wrote in Titus chapter three in the New Testament, the first century. God saved us not because of the righteous things, not because of the good things, not because of any of the things that we've tried to do, but because of his mercy. It's just mercy. It's like y'all can't, and if you tried, it wouldn't work. You just need my mercy, and it's his mercy that makes it happen. The third option I submit to you is the right choice. How can I know for sure? How can I know for sure? How can I know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven? How can I take this skepticism out of the equation and know for certain that I have a relationship with God? Here it is. It's not about the quality of your faith, the quantity of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. And the object of your faith needs to be in Jesus and all Jesus and only Jesus. Jesus, 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 and what he has done. And you just receiving like a gift, because that's what he calls it. It's a gift. You receive what he did for you. The focus is all Jesus. I am going to heaven because of what Jesus did, not because of what I've done, not even my great response to what he's done. No, I'm just receiving what he did. Let's look at this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. Not me, not you, not me and you, not me and Jesus, not you and Jesus. It's just Jesus. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You see where the focus is? Let's keep going. Can we boast? Then that we have done anything, that we have been a part of the process at all, that, that we've done anything good to be accepted by God. No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, doing good things, turning over a new leaf, being 51% good, or at least better than the guy down the street. No, it's based on our faith in what Jesus did. What Jesus did. Let me show you this. John, the apostle, that was so close to Jesus, wrote this. And this is what God has testified. This is what God has said. He has given us eternal life. Given us eternal life. It's a gift. And this life is in his son. That's where life comes from. Not in me, not in you, not from our performance. So whoever has God's son has life. It's real simple. Whoever does not have his son does not have life. It's all about Jesus. And I write this to you who believe in the son of God, right? who are looking at Jesus, who are trusting in Jesus and only Jesus and all Jesus so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope, right? not, not I think so, 
Like, like I, I, I'm really hoping, no, so that you can know, you can know, you can know. So the bottom line is assurance comes from the finished work of Jesus. What finished work? When he gave his life on a cross for my sins and your sins and the sins of everyone who has ever lived, past, present, future, everybody here, everybody watching in Jamestown, everybody watching in Oak Ridge, everybody watching from wherever you're watching on this Memorial Day weekend, from the beach, from the mountains, or somewhere in between. Everybody. The finished work of Jesus. That's what brings us assurance. How do you know? How do you know? Pastor, how do you know? You're a pretty good fella. How do you know? Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Here's how I know. Because of what Jesus has done for me. That's it. That's what I got. But that's enough. And that's all. See, that's where our assurance is. Our assurance doesn't come from feelings. And I'm so glad because sometimes I don't feel very heavenly. Sometimes I feel hellish. Sometimes I don't know what I feel. Sometimes I don't know how to interpret what I feel. It's a good thing that it's not based on feelings. It's based on what Jesus has done, trusting in the fact that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to forgive me, to save me, to connect me with the Holy God. Today, tomorrow, and forever. Assurance does not come from my performance, from my good behavior. Now, being good is good, but being good doesn't get you to heaven. Being good, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, and behavior does matter, but it's just not the basis by which God accepts us. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad because I don't have to worry about dying on a bad day. Right? Assurance does not come from a special experience we have. Now, listen carefully because some people put their assurance in, in an experience that they had. Yeah, I, I went to church and I heard the preacher and I heard the pastor and I felt, I felt something. I, just, I felt, I had this experience. I cried. And I walked down front, and I shook the pastor's hand, and I talked to people. And, and man, I remember, I remember, you know, or I, you know, oh, okay, well, that's great. I'm not saying that's insignificant. I'm good for you, right? But you better have more than a special experience to base your eternity on. You better have something that's unchanging to base your eternity on. Well, say I've been baptized. I was baptized. I got up there in front of everybody and they put my face on those two big screens and I didn't have makeup on and it was just, it's just, it's just I did that for Jesus. You're right? That's great. And we love baptism around here, but baptism doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage make you a car. <laughs> baptism doesn't make you a Christian. Baptism is the outward celebration that, hey, I'm already putting my faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. And I'm just letting everybody know this is the symbol, the outward symbol that God has given us to let the world know that we are trusting and following Jesus. Baptism is a special experience, but it don't save you. It just kind of lets everybody know, hey, it's like that, you know, 30th birthday party. You don't have to have the party to turn 30. You're going to turn 30 either you know, whether you have the party or not, but the party's just to let everybody know, hey, your youth is gone. <laughs> right? Woohoo! Not a special experience. Oh, 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 wait, 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 we're not done. Your assurance comes from the finished work of Jesus, not in a prayer that you pray. Nothing wrong with praying a prayer. But there is no special prayer in the scriptures. Not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Pray this prayer and you're in. Boom! Nope. That's why here at the summit, we don't have people repeat, repeat a prayer. 
You know why? Because when you make the focus on the prayer, that's where the focus stays. Did I, did I say that right? I don't know. Did I say it? I don't know. I, I pray that prayer. Every time I hear somebody, that, that prayer of salvation, I pray it all the time. I just want to make sure I get it right. I want to make sure I don't leave out a word. And, and wait, but did, I, did, I, did I really mean it? Did I really mean it when I said it? Did I really, did I, did I really understand it? Did I really focus? I don't know. Let me say it again, just for good measure. Right? No, but see, see where your focus is? The focus is on a prayer. It's on a prayer. That's why we tell people, listen, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, then you tell him. In your own words, you tell him that you are trusting in him as your only way to heaven, as your savior, as your forgiver, and that you want a relationship with him. You tell him in your own words that you're trusting in what he has done and only what he has done. It's not about a special prayer. That's why he didn't give us one to pray. Nothing wrong if you pray to pray. I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong. But the focus is Jesus, all Jesus, only Jesus. And we've got to ask this question. We've asked it every week. What if we're wrong on this? What if we're wrong? What if it's not Jesus and all Jesus and only Jesus? Well, all the evidence points to the fact that we're not and that Jesus was not. But just for kicks and giggles, for those of you that like to argue, if we're going to be wrong, if I'm going to be wrong on this, I'm going to be wrong looking at Jesus. That's just what I'm deciding. I don't know what you're willing to, to bet your life on. I don't know what you're willing to bet your eternity on. But for me, and I welcome you to join me, I'm going to look at Jesus. And I'm going to keep pointing at him. And I'm going to keep looking to him. And I'm going to keep putting my faith in him. And I'm going to keep trusting him and say, he's the one that knows. He's, that's where he came from and that's where he went. He knows. He's the guy. And he's the only one that died, was buried, and rose again. I'm on, I'm on his team. Whatever he says, I'm good with that. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never made that decision, you make the decision. I invite you to make the decision. You say, what do I do? In your own words, it's really nothing to do. It's just to receive what Jesus has already done. And in your own words, like right now, like right now in this moment, you can tell God, I'm in, I want it, I get it. Just give it to me. Yes, I'll take it. It's Jesus and only Jesus, Jesus and only Jesus. I'm trusting in him. It's that simple. And maybe you have questions, maybe you're not sure, maybe you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Then I just want to ask you one question. You want to know for sure? You want to know for sure that you're going to heaven? Do you have a relationship with God? Then just answer this question. Who are you trusting in right now? All you? I don't know if I'd go that route. You and Jesus? Well, it's noble. You can't really help him. Okay, he's like Maggie, two years old. Uh, thank you, that's nice, but not going to get done. Or are you trusting in only Jesus? And if you're trusting in only Jesus, then Jesus has got it. And Jesus has got you. So just trust him and now follow him. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for making it so clear, so crystal clear and simple what the focus has got to be. Not on the amount of faith we have, not on the quality of our faith, because our faith can be all over the place. And Father, we still have questions, and I know people are probably 
you know, sending in their questions right now about, you know, what about this and what about that? And may we not let the whatabouts keep us from focusing on what we're sure about. And we can answer the questions, but the focus has got to be the object of our faith. And it's not me and it's not me and you and you and me. It's only you. It's Jesus and only Jesus. And for everyone where the light is coming on for the first time, that in this moment they are choosing to put their trust in you and only you. Lord, help them to know that they have new and eternal life in this moment, now. And for everyone who's questioning or doubting, may they just answer the question, who are they trusting in right now? And may for all of us, it be only you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, these questions. My, my, my. Aren't y'all full of y'all selves today? Okay, so let me jump right in on this because uh, several of the questions that have come in are very similar in, in nature, okay? And uh, let, me, let me read three questions because they're very similar, and, and then, let me, um, then we'll go on from there. Sally Jane from Kernersville, great question. Why do people who sin sometimes go to heaven? Okay, Denise in Jamestown had a very similar question. Is there anything we can do, or in other words, talking about sin, and not be forgiven by God? In other words, and, and not make it to heaven, or not get in, and be like, too bad, so sad, kind of thing. Brenda from Kernersville asked something very similar. I'm, I'm, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, and I believe I'm going to heaven, but I still sin. Brenda, Brenda, Brenda. <laughs> what happens... If we sin and don't ask forgiveness before we die. Okay, all three of those questions come back to something that we often, and me too, often, we, we just we misunderstand. We think the issue is still sin and sinning and how much you are and how much you ain't. The issue is no longer sin. When Jesus gave his life and right before he died, he said three words, it is finished, which means it's done. Everything that needs to be done to deal with sin is done because I just did it. It's over. No more trying to work my sin off, trying to figure out how to deal with my sin. Now, does behavior matter? Yes, we'll get there, we'll get there, but just hang with me a minute, okay? The issue is not sin. That's why the question, you know, Brenda, Brenda, relax, hun, relax. It's like, well, what if I have sin that I haven't asked forgiveness for before I die, and I'm trusting in Jesus? Well, that's gonna happen, that's gonna happen, unless you have perfect recall. I don't know about you, but I'm like King David. I'm not even sure I understand all the sins lurking in my own heart. And so that's why people volley up these prayers. You're here Christians say this, you know, forgive me for all my sins. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds good, it feels good, but you wouldn't accept that. You wouldn't accept that from your husband. Right? You're ticked at him, you're so mad. Okay, babe, I'm sorry for everything I've ever done wrong. No, you want to know, what did you do? Come on, do you, know, do you know why you were an idiot? Tell me why you were an idiot. Tell me why I shouldn't file for divorce right now. Tell me, tell me, right? Tell me. And so you know, we know, right, in good, healthy relationships, you just don't volley up the, and forgive me for all my sins. That's so weak. 
No, the scriptures teach confession of sin. Okay? What, what is the sin? Now, I don't know about you, but I would be, I'd be, man, in 24-7 confession time. And I think there was this one time back in 1984 and this, I think I forgot that and I'm not quite sure if I meant that and I was in a hurry. I'm not sure if I spent enough time. It, then the issue, where's the focus then? The focus is on sin management, sin management, sin management. Sin is no longer the issue. Jesus did not die on a cross to modify your behavior. This is huge. Listen carefully. Jesus did not leave heaven and come and die on a cross to make bad people good. He died on a cross to make lost people found. It's different. It's different. Now, does my behavior matter? It sure does. Should I pay attention to the life I live? You most certainly do. But it has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to heaven or not. Okay? It's not about sin management. I'm trying to do better and I'm trying not to do as bad as I did and all that kind of stuff. No, relax. Jesus said, we have freedom and we have peace through his sacrifice. We no longer have to sit around and wonder, hey, have I done too much to get kicked out? Oh my goodness, it's not on you at all. Now there's all kinds of other reasons for living a life that honors God and paying attention to sin in your life. There's all kinds of other reasons for that. But it's not a heaven and hell thing, okay? So breathe easy. Put your trust in Jesus and just trust him. He's got it. Um, another question. Chris from Oak Ridge. All right, this, this one's near and dear to my heart. I may get wound up on this one. Um, Chris from Oak Ridge, fantastic question. He quotes James chapter 2. James, the brother of Jesus. Jesus' kid brother, leader of the first church in Jerusalem in the first century. Writes the first letter to the first group of Christians. And in chapter 2 of James, he talks about how it's important for us not to just kind of sit and do nothing. But we should take our faith and add good works to it. He says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So Chris's question, rightly so. How does this support today's message? In other words, Pastor Jonathan, this sounds like you're wrong. I get it. I get it. This is not a contradiction. Let me explain it to you. Romans chapter 4. Paul writes to the Christians in Rome who are very conscientious about doing right and doing wrong and all that kind of stuff. The Romans, very educated, very intelligent people, the most intelligent people on the planet at that time were the Romans. Paul writes in Romans chapter 4 at the beginning of that chapter that we are justified by faith to God, but we are justified by works to each other. All right, just hang with me. Here's why. Because I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. I only know by looking at the life you live what kind of person I think you are or what kind of person you are. And you only know by looking at the life I live. You can't see my heart. I can't see your heart. Fortunately, God sees our hearts. And so we are justified, justified and saved and reconciled to God by faith, which really counts what matters most to God, but by works to each other. So when James, the brother of Jesus, comes around, and in James chapter 2, a lot of people think James and Paul are contradicting one another. It's a big argument in the church for centuries. No, 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 no. Talking about two different things. 
James is writing to that first group of Christians who just saw Jesus ascend into heaven just years before, just a handful of years before. They were standing there and there he goes. And Jesus said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And they're thinking by like next Thursday. <laughs> Thursday comes and goes and Jesus ain't back. And okay, maybe next Thursday. No, you know, comes and, and so they're just kind of sitting on their haunches doing nothing, hanging out in Jerusalem, you know, and telling the stories about, remember when Jesus walked on water? Yeah, I heard about that. Remember when Jesus, the man born blind, Frank, he's over there. Frank, you were blind. It's so cool. You can see, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're just kind of doing that. And James like, no, 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 no. You got a job to do. Those of you who put your faith in Jesus, you got a job to do. You have a mission to accomplish. Go tell the world. Let's go. Go serve the world like Jesus did. Come on. Let's go love them like Jesus loved us. That was his only command, guys. Love as we've been loved. So your faith without works is dead. Dead doesn't mean non-existent. It just means inactive. It's possible to have faith that is inactive. Doesn't mean you're lost and you're going to hell and all that kind of stuff. It's not what he's talking about at all. He's saying... Listen, those of you that are followers of Jesus, go follow. <laughs> Just don't call yourself one. Go do it. If you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior, now live out his mission. It wasn't meant to be something that caused doubt. It was meant to be something that was a motivator. God sees my heart. I don't, it's not about works. God, God knows it's, it's Jesus only. But you can't see my heart. I can't see your heart. I only see how you live. You only see how I live. So... To each other, that's what that's talking about. One last question. Another whopper. Chris in Oak Ridge. This Chris in Oak Ridge spells his with a C. The first Chris spelled it with a K. I don't know if it's the same dude and you just like changing the way you spell your name. <laughs> or maybe it's two different Chris's. Um, what is belief then? Is it merely intellectual agreement of a fact or living a life that's been changed? Can a person say they believe in Jesus but live an unrepentant, unchanged life, acting like, acting against what Jesus said? So it's, we're back to the same issue again. Great, great question, Chris. You see, most all of these questions come back to sin and performance and doing right and versus doing wrong. He's just saying, can a person say they, they're a Christian? And, and is that okay to say? I mean, is just believing, just saying, yeah, I believe. But what if their life don't back it up? Well, let me ask you a question. At what point does your life back it up? Where's the line? Where's the line, right? Where's the line when we can look at someone and go, yep, yeah, we believe you now. You call yourself a Christian. Last Thursday, I didn't know because I heard what you said. You hit your thumb with a hammer, and we all heard what you said. I, and I could smell the flames of hell. I just, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. But today, today, I mean, it's, it's been like a week now, and, and they, today we can see. Like, like where's the line? Where, right? And what, and what if you have a, what if you go through a period of time like, like Peter, right? Peter, remember, remember Peter? where he denies that he even knows Jesus three times, back to back to back. And the last time, he cussed. Oh, oh, he cussed. He's out. And he cussed too. Right? And Jesus rose from the dead. Peter was a late believer, a late, <laughs> a late person to the story. It, scripture says Peter and John ran to the tomb, saw that it was empty. 
John looked and believed. Peter looked and went home. Hmm. Because Peter knows. Peter knows. Man, my behavior was not becoming to someone who followed Jesus. I bet I'm out. I'm sure I'm out. And then Jesus, when he came to Martha or Mary, I'm not quite sure which one. I need to look that up to remember. But he, he, he said, I want you to go tell my disciples I will meet them here. I'm alive, and I'll meet them over here. And make sure you tell Peter. He singled Peter out. Make sure you tell Peter too. He's still in. Here's the deal. If my goodness gets me in, my badness gets me kicked out. Just logic. But if Jesus' finished work is what gets me in, that ain't changing. It is finished, and he sealed the deal with the resurrection. That's, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. All my faith and all my hope is in that. So, does behavior matter? Yes, for many reasons. It's just not the basis. And I know what you're worried about. Well, that just means somebody that you can go out here and kill somebody. You can go out here and, and shoot up a school and then ask for forgiveness and go to heaven? Are you kidding me? You mean I want to go to heaven with murderers? Gee, I sure hope so. Because you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, ah, yeah, you guys are so focused on not killing people, which is good. But if you have hate in your heart towards your brother or your sister, you have a murderous heart. You're a murderer in your heart. Oh, well, I hope they get to go then. I hope. I hope everybody makes it in, you know, because I, I sure. Right. You see what I'm saying? I don't understand what people's motivation when they're trying to pick me. Yeah, you're not in. You're not in. You're not in. That's such an area of pride. Here's the deal. I got my hands full with me, dude. I got my hands full with me. And I'm so glad it's not about my good performance. Now, does my behavior matter? Immensely. It sure does. But thankfully, it's faith in the finished work of Jesus. I hope that helps a little bit. Great questions. Thank you so much for, for playing along with the question thing. Maybe we'll do this again sometime soon. Not, not next week. We're going to take a little break. I, I need that. Um, but maybe we'll do it again. It worked, worked well. I'm just thankful for technology. Hey, listen, before we will, uh, let you go, I just want to point two quick things out to you. Um, we do know Memorial Day weekend, and we know we got a lot of you watching online because you're, you're out of town. We're, I hope you have a great time. Be safe out there. Make sure to take some time to, to be mindful of those that have given us these freedoms to enjoy because freedom is never free. Um, but while you're out, you know, watching online, know that everybody, hey, it's kind of like the unofficial kickoff of summer and everybody's going to be traveling or most people here and there. And our website and our app make it possible for you when you're gone to still be engaged, right, until you come back. And so you can watch the services, you can ask questions, you can uh, take next steps, you can even give. And I would encourage you to automate your giving through our, our app or website this summer so that when you're gone... You can, you can still be faithful in those things and all that takes care of itself. You only have to be spiritual once and automate your giving and then it'll take care of it from then, right? That just, that's just the way it works and a lot of us give that way. So um, just wanted to mention that. Next week, we start a brand new series. Brand new. I'm so excited. We're going to do a four-week series called Living the Dream. It's on the life of Joseph. Now, we touched on this just a little bit a few weeks ago at the end of the family series. That was just a teaser. We're going to dive into this. You say, why do I need this? This guy's dead. And he's just old, 
story in the Old Testament? Kind of why? Because you're going to find yourself in this story. You're going to discover a lot about you. You're going to st- discover a lot about God. And especially if you're going through something difficult right now or something challenging in your life, you need this because it'll help you. It'll encourage you. One of my favorite stories in all the scriptures. We're going to look at it together. Living the dream starts next week. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye.